Well, uh, friends, come keep your Bible open if you can to Mark chapter 4. If you know the Bible, feel free right now to jump up and grab one from the, um, the foyer out there. Uh, it'd be also helpful to have your outline, which came in your bulletin. Just throwing things around up here. And we're going to have a, um, a Q&A at the end. If you've got any questions or a comment, word of encouragement, and like that, um, maybe scribble it down, write some notes down as you go. I'm going to pray for us as we look at God's word. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word to us today. We pray that we be people that listen. And we pray that we hear your word and we put it into practice. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the other day, Michelle, um, my wife, stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? I thought that was a pretty weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) Get it? Um, (coughs) Michelle got it. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. There's a funny story, um, I don't know if it's true or not, about um, Franklin Roosevelt. So he was the, (coughs) excuse me, he was the US president before and uh, during World War II. He often endured these long receiving lines, right, of, um, at the White House, people lining up to get an audience with him, ask him a question, you know, uh, ask whatever it might be. And he complained that no one really listened to him. Uh, no one really took much notice and attention to what he said. Well, one day after, um, or during one of these receptions, as they're called, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who came down the line and shook his hand, he murdered, oh, sorry, he murmured. (laughs) He murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the guests, well, and so the guests responded with phrases like, marvellous, keep up the good work, God bless you, all those sort of things. Um, It was not till the end of the line, while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia, that his words were actually heard. Nonplussed, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) True story? I doubt it. Um, You never know. I didn't do much research, but I did come across it quite quite funny. I I did, uh, it makes me wonder though, are are you someone who listens well? Are you someone who listens well? Not simply to your spouse, uh, but to your friends, uh, to your family? Are you someone who listens to God? That's more important, isn't it? Today in Mark 4, Jesus tells a parable, uh, the four soils, the parable of the sower. It's a very well-known parable, one of his most famous ones, and it's easy to gloss over. It's easy to say, I've heard it before. He begins and ends his parable with the urgent commands from verse 4. Listen. And my clicker's not working. Next slide, please, Matt. Thank you. Uh, Listen. And then in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let let them hear. So, got to ask this question to start. Will you listen? Will you hear? Will you receive the word of God today? There's actually a great mistake that people and even preachers make with this, um, uh, this parable as we read it. Us preachers, we, well, thank you, sir. Um, 
us preachers, when we tend to, we, what we tend to do is we read it as a one-moment response. As you hear this message today, which soil are you? That's a bit of a mistake. The question, the parable, is far bigger than that. Far more comprehensive. As you look at your life, your spiritual walk, which soil are you? That's the bigger question we ought to be asking right now, as well as today. I've, um, I've never been a farmer. Uh, I've never sowed a crop, uh, nor have I harvested one, although I have grown a few veggies, but I've killed more veggies than I've grown. Um, but this is what I do know, and I think so did Jesus, growing a crop takes time. It takes time. The parable is not just about how you respond today. It's about how you will respond tomorrow and, and next Sunday morning and over next week, next month, next year, and so on. It takes time to bear fruit, grow a crop, but it also takes time for the weeds and the thorns to choke the word, making it unfruitful and eventually die. All right, well, let's now look at this parable, hear Jesus' words, and then as Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, has to put his words into practice. So let's do that. Open up your Bibles to, um, to Mark chapter 4. I'm just going to try to take a quick drink for a minute. Mark chapter 4. I wonder if the clicker is, is working. Okay, next slide, please, Matt. Thank you. Let me read the um, verses 3 to 9 for us. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. As he's explained uh, to us and his disciples uh, in a moment, this simple but profound story about the sower explains Jesus' ministry, what its end will be and, where and why there are such wide-ranging responses to his message. Now, farming like this was not new to Jesus' hearers. Right? They got it. It wasn't difficult to, to understand. They'd done it, they'd seen it, right? They knew about seeds. They knew about good soils. And they also knew about harvesting. That's what happens at the end. You see, that's the reason for the sowing. Any farmer will tell you that you sow a seed with a harvest in mind. Obvious, isn't it? That's what you do. Well, Jesus says in a moment, this is a parable about the kingdom of God. That, that is God's rule under King Jesus. It's a good way to describe the kingdom of God. And one day, this King, Jesus, will return for the harvest. One day, Jesus will return to judge. So Jesus says, if you want to be part of the great crop at the end time, when he returns, listen to the sower. Listen. Hear what he's teaching. Be good soil and not bad. But this parable was not understood by Jesus' hearers. They were not listening. They were not hearing. 
Uh, next slide, please, Matt. Later in verse 10, when he was alone with the twelve and some others, they ask him about the parables. We see that in verse 11. In verse 11, Jesus says, when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are outsiders and there are insiders. And he distinguishes between the crowd and those whom he had chosen to be with him, outsiders and insiders. To those who he had chosen, these insiders, the twelve and others close to Jesus, uh, and notice too, let's just pause for a minute, notice what the insiders do, these 12 and other disciples who are with Jesus. They submit to the word of God, don't they? Uh, they, they listen, they hear, they ask, they ask questions, which is great. Uh, and, and they grow, so as they can grow. Now to them, the secret of the kingdom has been given, we're told. Although even though they remain with Jesus up until his death, uh, sitting under Jesus' teaching and other explanations of parables, it wasn't actually until after the first Easter uh, when they received the gift of the Spirit that they truly understand. That's the insiders, but what are, they're, they're, they're those on the outside, those in the crowds, the Jewish leaders and so on. Jesus said everything in parables. Why? Well, he actually quotes Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. So verse, in, in verse 12. So look at verse 12 in Mark 4. So that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might, or you could read it actually, otherwise they should or would turn and be forgiven. For the crowds, the majority, those not called and chosen by Jesus, the parables are seen but they're not perceived. They're heard but they're not understood. They hear and understand the parables sort of at this headspace level, at an intellectual level, but not their hearts. And verse 33 tells us Jesus taught in such simple terms for that reason. These hearers do not see themselves in the parables, these, these outsiders. It's their hearts that are the problem. They don't see themselves as, as the different kinds of bad soil, nor do they see Jesus as the sower sent by God to them. And they do not see their need before God to listen to hear his words. That's why Jesus says in, in verse 13 to his disciples, don't you understand this parable? Actually, it sends a bit of frustration in his voice. How then will you understand any parable? If you don't see yourself and me in this one, well, you're, not, you're going to struggle understanding any of them. In the end, despite Jesus' um, simplicity, his word has no impact on, on people like these, the Jewish leaders, these, these crowds who were just there for the spectacle in some ways. And just like Isaiah's preaching back in the 8th century BC, Jesus' parables are a form of judgment on a people who are stubborn with God and his son. Well, let's now spend a few moments then listening and hearing to the words of Jesus as he explains this parable. So we're looking at the four responses now to the word of God. And it's point three in our outline. And thanks, Matt. It's the next one along. There you go. The first is the path in verse 15. Some people are like... Verse 15, some people are like seed along the path where this word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan will use anything, anything to get in the way of people responding to Jesus. Now, we'll read and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Satan's work and tactics this afternoon at Burrowing. We're going to look at... Um, uh, Mark chapter 5 this afternoon at St David's at 4.30 at Burrowing. And we're going to continue our series at Burrowing. So we're not going to do Mark 5 here. We're going to do Mark 5 at Burrowing. So come along, join us. But these people, uh, the path, 
These are people who never seem to be interested. They only the only response they have made is to never listen, never hear, and only to walk away. It's hard to reach people like that, isn't it? If you're a Christian person and you want to share the gospel with them, it's hard to reach them. Uh, whom the seed has never taken any root. What do we do with people like that? What do we do if we know someone who falls in this category? Well, the answer is we don't give up on them. And we don't presume. Uh, we pray for them. We love them. And we keep speaking the word of God into their lives. Well, how about this next response to the word of God, the, the rocky places? So verse 16. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word of God and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, this response, although taking place over a short time and then quickly, we're told, uh, as trouble or persecution comes actually does take longer than the first soil, I guess. We read that such people receive the word with joy at first, but as Jesus promised, following him is hard. Not easy. Rejection will come. And because of this, they don't last. They don't last, Jesus says, because they have no root. Their foundation is not in Jesus. It's very easy for them to be pulled out of the ground. They'd never identify with Jesus and his word. Perhaps they're drawn to church due to an emotional response, maybe. Um, but because Jesus and his word are not the foundation, when, when to, to use a bit of Jesus' other parables, when the winds blow and the, the storms come, in other words, when it gets hard to follow Jesus, when decisions are costly, well, their house comes crashing down. The truth is God knows their hearts. And yes, it's tragic because... It's a case of so close yet so far. Jesus says, don't be this soil. Don't be this soil. Give your heart to him. That means giving your all to him. Believe in him. Listen. Hear his word. Now, there's another type of bad soil. It's the third one, the thorns. Verse 18. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word... But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, make it unfruitful. Let's notice something straight away here when we talk about thorns and weeds. They grow up slowly. It doesn't happen overnight. I guess it can do. But they grow up slowly. Friends, we ought to hear and, and listen to Jesus' warning. Don't be like this soil. Don't be like this soil. The results are the same as the seed that fell on the rocky places and along the path. It's, it's tragic. There's no crop. There's no harvest. The people described here place the things of the world over and above the things of God and it demonstrates their hearts with God. A healthy heart with God clings to his word. It beats fast for him and responds to him. A damaged heart has trouble seeing him over the distractions and attractions of other things. It's a really dangerous position to be in. Well, Jesus then gives three examples. And you might notice the three examples are sort of intertwined together. Uh, they, they overlap. Like weeds, such distractions come in and they choke the word. They squeeze the life out of it, what's living. And the obvious implication is no crop. So, first of all, the worries of this life. 
I wonder what Jesus means there. Have a think about it yourself. The worries of the, what worries of this life could choke the word, could choke our life with Jesus? I think he's probably, probably referring to wealth and money because that's listed just the next, or in the next phrase in the verse. But there are, of course, other worries of this life which choke the word of God and cause unfruitfulness. Maybe you've got a few in your mind at the moment. Uh, the pursuit of success, maybe. Maybe that's at work. Maybe that's at uni, if you're at uni, at school. That takes over. That takes over so much that the, 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 the things of God get placed second. Uh, the desire to be accepted, to be noticed. Great things to think about there when it comes to social media, doesn't it? Well, that's, that's very relevant. Uh, the pursuit of pleasure and comfort, fame even. The worries of this life. Paul alludes to an interesting example in 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. Um, he writes, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul mentions this example in the context of the Roman games and the placing physical fitness above godliness. It's a bit of an insight into first century history as well. Paul mentions this because he knows that the desire to look good or just be physically fit, and don't think that's just a 21st century thing, it's been around for a long, long time, uh, like other things, that those things can choke out the word of God. For such people, the, the soil, the thorns, um, following this example, being made physically fit takes priority over hearing the word of God and so meeting with his people. It, it chokes out life. It's a great irony, I think, that in our desire to prolong life by being physical fit and looking good, um, we can actually choke out real life. The second example Jesus uses is one that he speaks a lot of. Um, and remember to, this is something, I'll give you an insight into this afternoon if you want to come along to, at 4.30. Um, the devil works in the ordinary. I've spoken about this actually previously a few years ago. But the devil works in the ordinary um, most powerfully distracting us from finding security in Jesus and trusting his word. It doesn't really work in our lives so much in the spectacular. He works in the ordinary. So here's something really ordinary. Money, wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth. Matthew 6, Jesus tells the throngs of people on the mountainside to not store up for themselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two, serve two masters. Jesus goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and money. Paul says in 1 Timothy, those who want to get rich fall in, into temptation and a trap, deceitfulness, uh, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. You know, um, uh, estimates suggest that Australians lost approximately $25 billion dollars on legal forms of gambling in 2018 and 2019. That's the best figures I could find. Representing the largest per capita losses in the world. We are the most prolific gamblers, as our claim to fame as Australians. Uh, anecdotally, so I've got no research here, but I just watch TV, um, gambling ads make up, I don't know, close to half of the ads on TV, especially when it comes to sporting events, where betting is more and more popular. Why? Why? 
especially as the social effects of gambling are so widespread. They're so harmful. Financial effects, uh, emotional and psychological costs, relationship and family breakdown, uh, links with domestic violence, productivity loss and work issues. Gambling-related harms um, affects not only the people directly involved, but also the families, their peers and the wider community. So why does... Why, why do so many people in Australia, why do we gamble? Why do so many people do that? Channel 7, I saw the other night, recently reported on a Powerball jackpot um, and it said that it's expected that half of all Australian adults will buy a ticket. How about that? Uh, why do so many people throw their money away? Why do so many people take risk for, for more, I guess? Well, it's the deceitfulness of wealth. That's what it is. It's the love of money, it's greed, and it's about security. And such people, if you're one of them, you're looking in the wrong place altogether. True security, real treasure, treasure that lasts, is only found in Jesus. The greatest treasure is peace with God, as we've sung and some of us have danced to. Um, what helps? What helps when we struggle with the deceitfulness of wealth? Well, I reckon, I reckon two things work really well. Thankfulness and generosity. If you're thankful for what you've got, and we've got lots, and we're generous, well, I think we'll be less worried about money. Jesus talks a lot about thankfulness and a lot about generosity. One final example uh, that Jesus mentions is the, the desire for other things. These people desire other things. Well, I take it that means the things other than the things of God. Now, I speak a lot about the commitment to this gathering, church, and to our gatherings in small groups. Why? Because here, and in our small groups, you hear the word of God taught and you're encouraged to respond. Uh, it's not just head knowledge, it's head and heart knowledge. It's, it's, what do they say? Head, heart and hands. When we meet together, you've got an opportunity to encourage one another. And the Bible tells us not to giving up, give up meeting together, but to encourage each other as we meet. And in our gatherings, so I'm talking about this gathering and I'm also talking about our small groups. I really want to encourage you to be part of a small group. If you're not, then fill out that little comment card and say, oh, I want to join a small group and I'll get in touch with you. Uh, Sunday mornings and the decision to commit to this gathering on a weekly basis is a spiritual battle. The devil does not want you here doing these things. He doesn't want you listening right now even. But friends, this, this church, this gathering and our small groups we meet during the week... These, these, are, these are a gift. Uh, gatherings like these are one of the greatest gifts of God to his people. What does God say about our hearts when we place the things of this world above the things of God? So Jesus says, watch out, the harvest is coming. Well, final soil. Final soil is the good soil. Uh, verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Uh, friends, fruitfulness takes patience, just as it does for a farmer who sows uh, seed. These people hear the word of God again and again, they accept it, they produce a crop, one that grows and grows. I take it that means, using Jesus' words in Matthew 7, they put his words into practice. They, they grow in their trust and faith in Jesus. I also think it's, it's a, it alludes to the, what we might just call discipleship. It's one of those 
Christian words, but it's, it's sharing the gospel with people. So if I, I share the gospel with my friend, well, my friend then goes and shares the gospel with someone else, and he shares the gospel with another person, and he might share the gospel with two or three people, and they then share the gospel with someone, and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it grows uh, some 30, some 60, some 100 times, that sort of exponential growth. I think part of it's referring to that as well. And remember the context of the kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about and the harvest that is coming. But putting his words into practice, that word growing in us as we trust in Jesus more and more. So these people on the, in the good soil, they're not on spiritual cruise control. You know, their hearts are healthy, they're clinging to the word of God, they're actively driving, growing, responding to what's around, what's around them, they're responding to God's word. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. How about I pray? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word today. Uh, it is a challenge to us. Lord, we pray that we respond uh, in the way you'd like us to respond to your word. Lord, we've heard your word today. We've read it. We've focused on it. Lord, we pray that we would respond like um, that good soil, people like that, that would produce a crop in our lives and uh, would grow to trust you more and more. Father, we pray for those of us today who... who uh, might feel they're in a different soil. We pray that can be a change as we, as we sit here this morning, uh, that we would trust you, perhaps even for the first time. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you died for us. We thank you that our sins are forgiven as we trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll give you a moment to...